0: Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to Engage for Success Radio with me, Joe Moffat. For those who are new to the show, um, Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement, and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be kept up to date with all the news. So I'm Jo Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts of Engage for Success Radio. And like everyone who's involved in our not-for-profit movement, we are all volunteers. We all give our time and energies to support the movement and the sort of the shared ambitions to inspire people and workplace places to thrive. Um, so along with most of my volunteer colleagues, I have a day job and mine is that I am Managing Director and Founder of Woodread, which is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques, and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So today's radio show is number 508 in our weekly series. And today we're gonna be talking about flexible working in organizations. We're gonna be discussing how you go about creating and sustaining family-friendly workplaces, and our special guest this week to help us to navigate that topic um, is Jane Van Zyl. Jane is CEO of Working Families, and I'll ask her to tell us a little bit more in a moment um, about who that organization is. Um, she joined them as a CEO in September 2018, um, and I'm very pleased to to welcome you to the show, Jane. We, we met, didn't we? Um, I say met, met in inverted commas. At one of our engage with success events organized by our area network group in Scotland some months ago and um, It was great to hear you then and I was I thought having heard you speak at that event um, You'd be a perfect guest for our radio show So I'm very pleased that you were able to join us and, uh, and welcome to today's show Thank you very much indeed.
0: It's a joy to be here. Um, I was delighted to be asked
1: well, thank you, and um, you know, as I say, it's a, a perfect, um, a perfect expert to sort of explore this topic with us. So, um, as I said, you joined you joined Working Families as a CEO in September 2018. So, what five years ago? Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about your background. What 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 had you been doing up to that point? So I. Um...
0: I grew up in between South Africa and um, the UK um, which primary school in Norfolk and then the rest of my education was in South Africa mm-hmm. um, and I ended up coming to work in South Africa work in the UK in uh, the late 90s and at some point in the early 2000s I became a Samaritan volunteer and I absolutely loved it it was mm-hmm. a really interesting worthwhile, incredibly supportive environment. And I'd been working for organisations that were for-profit, but I decided at that point that actually, if I possibly could, it would be wonderful to work for an organisation with purpose. And of course, Uh in in the early 2000s, the idea of working for an organisation which had a purpose wasn't as popular as it is now.
1: It was a fairly radical thing to talk about, wasn't it? It
0: absolutely was. So I'm not sure that I would have ended up working for a charity if I was looking around for a job now, but I certainly would have been looking for an organisation that was purpose-led,
1: uh-huh. uh, you know, an
0: organisation like a B Corp
1: or something like that. Yes, yes, right, absolutely. But, and and what? Why is that so? Im- why? What? What do you think it was about that that drove you so much? I mean, how, do you think you were, what was it that you responded to in terms of that? What were you looking for?
0: Um, I, was, I was looking fundamentally to change the world. And I knew okay. I wasn't, you know, I'm no Greta Thunberg. I'm not going to do it entirely <laughs> on my own. Um, and I really enjoy working. Um, I, I don't have, I'm, I think I'm quite a creative thinker, but I certainly don't have an artistic bone in my body. Um, And so the idea of actually being able to create things that you could put on a wall or listen to uh, was possibly not going to be success for me. But the world of work I've found fascinating. I've met extraordinary people. Um, I've met people that I would never have met in any other circumstance if I hadn't met them through work. And so for me, it was about working within an organization that was trying to make the world a better place, however small and or however specific. It, it was just all about making the world a better place. Um, and I think, you know, I, I have my parents and, and teachers and um, frankly, the hideous society that I grew up in South Africa to thank for wanting to make the world a better place.
1: Because so they were formative, in... real formative oh. influences on your approach to life. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, so when, so you, you joined Working Families, um, as you say, just five years ago. Um, what, what were they like then? What, tell us a little bit about about who who Working Families are, and and, and perhaps um, what what they were when you joined, and perhaps how they've how they've changed in that time.
0: Um, I was lucky enough to take over from somebody who'd been with the organization for a long time um, someone called Sarah Jackson and she's still involved in the world of work um, and certainly still involved in the world of flexible uh, working Um, the organization had just gone through a restructure Sarah had decided to retire a little while before um, and the organization was a little smaller it had just moved um, from offices in Clapham to offices in the city. Um, but they, there wasn't a lot of budget in terms of um, engaging with um, the staff team. But as with almost certainly as with every charity I've ever worked with, the commitment and the engagement of the staff team is absolutely extraordinary because they all believe in the cause. Um, yes. So they all want to make the world of work a better place for parents. Um, yes. So I felt very lucky to to be offered the job by the trustees.
1: So tell us a little bit about what, the, what is the purpose then, if, as, if that's such an important thing and we all know that it is. What is the purpose of working families? What drives the organisation?
0: Our mission is to remove the barriers that working parents and carers face in the workplace. Um, so we right. want a world of work where having caring responsibilities is not uh, held against you. Mm -hmm. And the way in which we achieve our mission um, is we focus on three things. We provide a free legal advice line for working parents and carers to empower them to understand and use their workplace rights. Um, And that, of course, gives us a view of what's not working in the world of work because the working parents and carers who contact us are wanting to keep their jobs and are having challenges with their employer. Right, right. Then, I,
1: I, I want to come back to this in a moment, but I'd like to hear what these three things are that you do. But what I want to come back to is the fact, obviously, that the the legal situation is, is in a state of change at the moment, isn't it, in terms of how things absolutely. are going to so, But let's come back to that. So you were saying there were three, three core areas. Yes. So there's working
0: directly with working parents and carers. Then we support employers to create, build, and sustain, flexible and family-friendly workplaces. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, those um, employers tend to be the good guys, ones who want to have a fully engaged workforce, who are aware of some of the challenges that exist, um, Mm -hmm. and who want to stand out in comparison with their competitors when it comes Mm -hmm. to employing people to work for them. So that of course gives us a view of what's possible in the workplace, what's possible and practical. Um, and then we take those two views, what we know isn't working, what we can mm-hmm. see is working and is possible, and we use those two views to really push for positive, practical policy change. And um, right. our policy and influencing team do a lot of work with that. Right. Um, And this, I think, will slightly spin us back round to the law, because this last year, working with other charities in our ecosystem, we've had some great success in terms of some changes to legislation. Um, And one of those is the new Flexible Working Bill, Mm -hmm. which will allow um, employees to apply for flexible working from day one of employment, they don't have to no, wait so it, now it, for twenty six it weeks. It's
1: it, it currently what? How much is it currently, Jane?
0: Currently, it's twenty six weeks. So you have right, to be employed six for mm. six months before you mm. can even apply for flexible working. Mm. So this is a really big step change, yes. um, and we are absolutely delighted that it got cross party support. And Yasmin mm-hmm. Qureshi, MP was the person who took that private members' bill through for us. All. Oh. Mm. For, for, for the United Kingdom, um, not yes. just for working families. Yes. Um, so we've worked together with um, a group that was put together by the Department of Business and Trade called um, the Flexible Working Task Force, which has a large number of organisations um, that are part of it, the CIPD, um, TimeWise, ourselves, the TUC, um, the Federation of Small Businesses. Um, and we've worked with them to um, give a logo that we have called happy to talk flexible working um, mm-hmm. that will be available free of charge to um, Organizations and we have provided guidance um, and all of the members of the flexible working task force have worked on that very simple guidance to help employers state in their ad, in their recruitment ads that they're happy to have that conversation about flexible working because for us now, a, we, sorry go on. I was no so for us we know how important that is to working parents and carers yes
1: yes I, that's what I was going to ask you actually this is this is something that I think from your own research, you know people want, isn't it? It's, this isn't oh, something that you're just sort of thinking is a good thing. You, this is something that, by and large, a, a huge proportion of, of, of working people um, would actually like this opportunity.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, it, it's not, it doesn't just benefit working parents and carers it benefits all kinds of people in work so if you are starting your career and you want to have time for studying working flexibly Mm -hmm. is helpful if you're coming to the end of your working life and you want to slowly reduce your hours flexible working can be extraordinarily helpful if you have any kind of self-care needs so for example if you um have either a mental health condition or you have a disability flexible working can enable you To get into the labor market and have a proper job Mm. Um, but we know that um, nine in ten parents want to work flexibly five in ten parents do work flexibly in some way but only three in ten jobs are advertised with flexible options
1: interesting isn't it Yeah. yeah so 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 this policy change that legal change in the the flexible working bill to give people the right to ask is is intended to bridge that gap then between those who those who who uh, who want to and and, and those who do
0: yes because one of the things that we know from our research is that if you work part-time which of course is one of the the ways in which you can work flexibly you are only one-fifth as likely to be promoted as your full-time peer Right. So if you work part-time, and of course the issue about working part-time is that you have a smaller income and certainly for many people that then impacts on their pension contributions which then impacts on the pensions gap as well as the pay gap that exists Mm -hmm. in in England and Mm -hmm. Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really important for us that people... But working parents and carers have the ability to get into work to stay in work and to thrive in work yep yeah
1: and and what are your i i i want to, i want to come on to talk a little bit about what you um what you're doing at, at working families specifically to sort of um practice what you preach because i think that's going to be quite interesting for people to hear that you you know you're not just doing the, the, the things that you're talking about but you're actually trying to actually put it into practice in your own organisation. Um, yeah. But before we get on to that, can I just talk a little bit or ask you to share with us a little bit about what your arguments are for employers who don't come into that category of being the good guys? Well,
0: I, I mean for us it's really, really simple. Lots and lots of organisations have done a lot of work to say that um, and you know one of the biggest organizations that have done significant amounts of research into this is is McKinsey uh, the management consultancy firm and McKinsey have done um, longitudinal research so research that's lasted over a number of years to say that the more diverse an organization the more financially successful they are so this is not just the soft um, data points about people feeling um, that their well-being is improved, uh, people being able to get promoted, um, people feeling engaged with the work that they do and wanting to work for an employer. This is absolutely about you can make more money. Mm -hmm. So for organisations that are not necessarily wanting to do it for what we think are the right reasons, which is that it's the right thing to do, and it will benefit mm-hmm. the people that work for you. Mm-hmm. But for everybody, we would say, it will make you money, and it reduces your risk. Because if you're, um, if you don't, if you're working to, avoid, to reduce your gender pay gap, that's reducing mm-hmm. your risk as an organization. If you are right. increasing the number of, for example, women on, on boards, that is decreasing your risk as an organization. So yep. those yep. are the fundamental reasons, is you'll make more money and it'll reduce your risk. Yeah,
1: so of course, when you were pushing for policy change, you, you, you have to balance those arguments, don't you? You can't just go in on that it's the right thing to do because you actually do need to have some, some pretty hard-nosed evidence as to why something like this is a good thing to do. Absolutely, and, and
0: we mm-hmm. have all of that. So mm. when we talk to employers, um, about why they might want to become employer, working families employer members um, for us to be able to provide them with the support and help they need to change their policies, to poll their staff. We'll say to them, what, what are your, and it's a terrible phrase, but what are your pain points as an employer? Is uh-huh. it around you can't, re- you can't retain people, they're leaving you? Is it that you can't recruit staff? Is it that you've got a terrible gender pay gap? Is it that um, you have low engagement? And there will be ways in which flexible working can support you to improve all of those issues. But it will very much depend on what it is that the employer comes to us. You know, what is the issue that they are having um, in terms of how do they engage people?
1: yeah no I get that jane and and as far as organizations are concerned you I, I know that most of the the majority of them employer members of of working families employ more than two hundred and fifty people is there a Is there a kind of sweet spot or are, are certain sizes of organizations better able to deliver the flexible working that their people might want than others i mean do you see do you see a difference um it,
0: I find this a fascinating question. We did some research in the very early 2000s. And of course, that's a long time ago. But we looked at organisations that were called micro organisations. So those organisations that were employing less than 10 people. So really, really, really small businesses. Mm -hmm. And we found that access to flexible working was not a problem with those small organisations. And we made the a series of assumptions, but which we think are are kind of self-evident, is that if there are only 10 people in your workforce, you as the employer understand the needs of the families of that workforce. And Mm -hmm. as the employee, you understand the needs of the business. So you're able to negotiate with one another to get the business support that the business needs, and the family support that the employee might need. Mm-hmm. Then organisations which employ more than 250 people generally have um, spare capacity in terms of their HR departments. I mean, I'm sure the HR departments wouldn't thank me for saying that, but but the <laughs> HR departments exist. You know, yes, they've they, got they've they,
1: got the infrastructure.
0: They've got the infrastructure, and for Mm. them, they will also, with with a much larger group of employees, they'll be experiencing things like pregnancies, fathers wanting paternity leave, people wanting to work in slightly different ways for all of their family commitments. Mm. Um, But for organisations between ten and two hundred and fifty, it isn't impossible. It's not even very difficult you just have to have the right mindset and be willing to have that conversation person to person mm-hmm. between the line manager and the employee or the business owner and the employee to say right well what what is going to work for you and can we give it a trial mm. Because mm. not, so
1: it's we, to approach something with a degree of intentionality um, about exactly. it, rather than just to, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah.
0: yeah, you know, we would say that not every job can be done flexibly, can be can be flexible in the same way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but every job has some flexibility in it. Yeah. So yeah. staggered it, shifts, um, job shares, part time working, um, yeah. hybrid some remote working, some working from home. There are all kinds of things that can be done that we call flexible working because they're not all nine to five chained to a desk. Yes. But not every job has the same kind of flexibility.
1: No, it's interesting you should say that because I, I, you know, a lot of the time people's immediate default thought will be, oh, flexible working, that's something that... Working mothers would wish for but you as you've quite rightly identified You know, there's all kinds of other reasons why flexible working can be of value to families and to people and to individuals Mm. Um, Mm. But it uh, but interestingly on that point I I was chatting to somebody a a little while back who was describing an example in the construction industry uh, which is very male orientated um, on building sites and they were allowing the teams or the crews to determine between themselves their own shift pattern, their own structure of work. Yep. When do, do, they, do they want to come in at five in the morning so that they can all get away at 11 in the morning, noon or whatever, yes. to get the job done and then have the afternoon free? Whatever it might be. They were, mm. they were actually, they had recognized that as a, as a small team working on a particular bit of the site they could think flexibly around what would be best for that particular cohort of workers. And I thought that was really fascinating because that's yeah. not a sector that you imagine. Is it which kind of reinforces what you were saying, is that flexible working isn't the same for everybody or every industry or every role. Yeah. Um but it's having yeah, a flexible mindset to it,
0: isn't it yes. really? Absolutely. And at this point, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, Sir Robert McAlpine um, Uh and Mother Pucker, Anna Whitehouse. Um, Anna Whitehouse and um, Sir Robert McAlpine did a really big piece of work looking at flexibility within the construction industry. Oh, really? Um, Yes. And um, there's obviously, within the construction industry, it can be very male-dominated. And one of the issues is that there can be, as, as I'm sure you know, there's a, high rate of, there's a higher rate of suicide amongst men. And mm-hmm. that was one of Sir Agarpine's Al- drivers, was to try and improve the well-being of everybody who was working for yeah. the organization. And one of the ways they did that was to have more flexible, more family-friendly hours.
1: How interesting. Um, so,
0: yeah, they did some really extraordinary work.
1: So see, what's so fascinating about having this conversation is that today, this interview, this show was about flexible working, but we then straddle into health and wellbeing. We straddle yes. into um, mental health. Um, yep. You know, we, we, we straddle into talent attraction and talent, ret- you know, none of these things work in isolation, do they? And, you know, we have to sort of see this as a whole. But um, I'm very conscious that uh, this is a, a fascinating conversation. We could probably talk much longer than the time we've got available. But unfortunately, I've got to bring this show in on time. So <laughs> I'd like to switch now, if we can, to just talk a little bit about your own experience of trying to deliver on this promise uh, within your actual own organisation, you know, how are you approaching um, practicing what you preach?
0: Um, I'd be delighted to talk about that. Um, I've got <laughs> the most amazing team, um, and um, I'm very grateful to them for making this my favourite job ever. Right, um, lovely. They yes, they're all very competent. Um, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, one of the joys of working in a charity is that you get people who are committed to the cause and so really want to give of their best. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the disadvantages of working in, in, a cha- in the charity sector is quite often as uh, the charity itself will then almost want you to do two jobs in one. They'll want you to volunteer a lot of your time for free and they yeah. will also be not paying you very much and, and want you to commit to working unbelievably hard all the time. Yeah. So it can be a problem. Um but for us one of the thing there are a number of things that we've done. We have all kinds of flexible options in terms of the way in which people work. We don't have core hours mm-hmm. but we do say that unless you have a very specific job, we won't be able to offer contracts that are for less than three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can work those hours over five days or six days, depending on the needs of the, of the job and the needs of your colleagues. We now all work entirely remotely. Uh, we gave up our offices at the start of COVID, and we mm-hmm. regularly poll and ask our staff team, what do you want? So for example, with, with benefits as a small charity, there aren't a whole heap of benefits that we can provide, but we do ask the team, what is it that you want um, mm-hmm. and what's the most popular? So for example, one of the things that we did was um, we now provide six weeks uh, maternity and paternity pay on full salary, and then a further six weeks on a half pay. And then obviously um it, you know there's the rest of the year that um mothers can take, mm-hmm. but for us, it was incredibly important to have them, that caring um responsibility be fair to both um, uh, to both parents mm-hmm. um to mothers and fathers to um to two mothers to two fathers, whatever the makeup of the family was um yeah. to ensure that 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 people got that um. We have some term time working contracts, we have job shares. Um, mm-hmm. we have people who have flexed their hours up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes people will want to work. Um, you know there, there's been a change of circumstances at home, and actually they can do another half a day. and mm-hmm. then we'll flex that up up and down with them. Um, and again, it is all about having those conversations. I would say. That it's not the simplest thing. Um, mm. And I did, I had a laugh with one of my colleagues today who is currently working full time. And she was saying that um, she occasionally gets a bit impatient saying, oh, I can't get hold of so-and-so because it's their non-working day.
1: Yeah. But it
0: does, it does make you have to be a little more organized. Yeah, um, And to think slightly ahead and Mm. frankly that's just working smarter so it's a really good thing
1: Um, how many many people are there working with you I mean it's I guess some are part-time and so on but what sort of numbers are we talking about roughly we have 27 people
0: Mm -hmm. in the organization at the moment Um, and so that's it's a really good number We um, And the way in which we keep everybody engaged, particularly considering we're now all working from home, everybody Mm. has a laptop, everybody has whatever display screen equipment, additional um, needs they have, so desks, um, uh, separate screens, uh, separate keyboards, all of those kinds of things. We then meet once a month in London, um, Mm -hmm. and we're very lucky that that is hosted by um, our corporate friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and twice a week we have um, catch ups on on Zoom or Teams where people mm-hmm. can chat about whatever they want to chat about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all of that goes to make us an extraordinarily flexible organisation. But I believe mm-hmm. an organisation that pump, punches way above our weight.
1: Way above its weight. Well, you must be very proud of the, very proud of the contribution you've made to seeing this new. New work, uh, flexible working policy bill, bill come into practice. So we are literally um, out of time. So I just want to ask you if you could in sort of like 20 seconds, Jane, um, <laughs> for one thing, anyone listening who's been inspired, as I'm sure they will have been by what you've been talking about, what one thing could listeners take away to do or commit to do?
0: Listen to your employees, ask them what they need and give it a trial. Excellent.
1: Lovely. That's brilliant. And uh, thank you very much, um, Jane Van Zyl, Chief Executive Officer of Working Families, for joining us today. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. So thank you, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Engage for Success Radio.
1: Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a
0: light on good practice. The people who believe there's a better way to work.